Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name's Michaela. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name is Michaela, and today we have MVP CEO Michelle Young. So excited to have you here, Michelle. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Michaela. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. So I have a million questions I want to ask you, but we'll just start off nice and easy. Um, tell us a little bit about you, how you got into yoga, how you started, why you started a business, all that fun stuff. Well, I, um, I started, I guess, you know, I've always been a really spiritual person. Um, I started meditating when I was a kid, like a, a pretty little kid, like maybe like nine or 10. And, um, then I was always interested in moving my body and doing stuff like that. Um, so as I was growing up, I was interested in yoga. It kept, it kept coming up like over and over again. Um, and I just kept putting it on the back burner. And something told me just to put it on the back burner and I'd have time for it later. Um, and then, you know, after my kids uh, were born, I started getting into the physical practice. I was really on the mindful parenting train from the very get-go. It was really popular when I was having my kids. Um, everything was mindful parenting. So, you know, what they were really talking about back then was projection-free parenting. So, you know, not really, um, you know, putting your story on your kids and not reacting just based on your sort of lived experiences. And, um, and that's, how I started at really living my yoga. So for me, I think a lot of people, it, they come to yoga, they come to their mat first. They come to a yoga studio first. For me, it was backwards. I started living my yoga through meditation and through lifestyle. And then I started coming to a studio after I was pretty established in the psychological and um, intellectual practices. Um, and then I, you know, to a yoga studio and that was a whole other ball of wax and and I think that that's what made me want to start a business a yoga business because I came into a yoga studio in my 30s and I felt really isolated I felt like I didn't belong I felt like um, yoga was for young 20-somethings that looked a certain way and that behaved a certain way and that you weren't a cool kid unless you were a yoga teacher you know you weren't part of that cool club and so you walked into the yoga studio and perception of the way I felt, the way I was received was that, um, you know, I was just, I was just another student um, and the teachers that taught at the studio or that taught at other studios were really put on pedestals, you know, by the studio owners and by the other teachers. And so you, you really felt a little left out. And I felt like there needed to be a change. And I was coming from um, an academic background. I had a master's in curriculum development. And so I also saw a lot of things in the yoga teacher training industry that I was like, well, you know, we could improve upon this a little bit. So um, I, I married the two. I married my experience um, as a practitioner. I married my academic experience. And then I married my lived experience as a student. And I said, hey, you know, these, these three things can all coexist and I can learn from all of them and improve 
the industry standard. And so really when we started my vinyasa practice, it wasn't just like, hey, I want to start a business. It was like, hey, I want to change an industry. So powerful words. And I think you have changed the industry. And I think a lot of our listeners would agree that you've created something really special here. And I think it has to do exactly with how you were explaining that you started with your experience first, you lived it, you experienced it first, and then you figured out a way to reflect that to other people in a, in a really like non-projection way, which makes sense if you were, if you were parenting during a time when projection free parenting was a thing, that seed was planted and you just carried it through. Yeah. Awesome. So like I said, I have a million things I want to ask you about, but we'll have you back on. So don't worry. Um, everyone, listeners, don't worry. Um, so today I thought we'd talk a little bit about retreats as we're about to hop into retreat season. Um, you're about to head off for quite a bit. Um, I've never been on a yoga retreat. So can you tell us a little bit about what a yoga retreat looks like? What someone can expect? Yeah. So I, and I have a very specific vision of yoga retreats. Um, and again, you know, it comes again from my experience and we, you know, my husband and I lived overseas, um, for the first, I guess the first substantial part of our marriage when we were having kids and first married. So like the first maybe seven years. And we lived in the Middle East and, and subsequently traveled in Europe and all over Africa and stuff like that. And so my expectation for a retreat is that, you know, I'm going to go someplace and I'm going to be able to unplug and like drop out of that thinking mind. And I'm going to really be able to be present. And, you know, again, if I'm being totally transparent, it comes from not being present, right? You know, like, I, I remember having little kids and really struggling with, you know, FOMO, like thinking about my friends and like, you know, here I am on the beach with my kids and I'm thinking about, well, what are my friends doing? You know, and I wanted so badly to be able to be present and to really um, learn how to be content with my experience, right? And so I feel like a yoga retreat is an opportunity to learn how to do that. So someone has to scaffold it for you, especially as a newer practitioner, especially as somebody who hasn't been on a yoga retreat before. So at, at my vinyasa practice, that's what we're doing. We are scaffolding these retreats so that people have everything that they need to drop out of the thinking mind and really into the experience of living their yoga for, you know, five to seven days, right? And so the idea is that, you know, we pick them up from their destination. Obviously, they have to get there. So, you know, their airfare is on them. But from the time they arrive at the airport, or at the location until the time they leave, you know, they're really under our care. And so we pick them up from the airport in an organized way. We bring them back to wherever we're staying. We make sure that they have everything they need where they're staying. Um, I like to provide, um, one of the things we're doing this time around is we're providing folders that, you know, have, you know, a menu in there. They have a schedule in there. They have, you know, um, handouts for the different lectures we're going to be doing on, you know, uh, 
fear yoga, integrating hatha yoga, dharma talks, etc. They'll have sequences because a lot of the people who come with us are teachers. So if they want to take the sequences with them, they'll have the sequences we practice. They'll have any uh, guided scripts that we use. So they will really take away curriculum that they themselves can use and they'll take away this whole use to, to model their own retreat after if they want it really you know so they've got everything that they need to go and replicate this someplace else um but we start with an opening circle and the opening circle you know has yogic elements to it so this isn't like a, an opportunity to make people nervous or to get people out of their comfort zone i i know that there's different thoughts and perspectives on that this is an opportunity to connect and to foster community so that people are comfortable yoga is a vulnerable um, practice. It's vulnerable for us when we're on the mat, but it's also vulnerable to be on the mat and to know that your, your material is coming up when people are around you, even if you're not talking about it. Like, I don't have to tell people that I've got stuff arising in my awareness for me to feel conscious about it in a, in a class, you know? So if I'm on retreat, and that happens, I want to make sure that, you know, the students, the participants feel comfortable. And so that first night is really important that everybody connects and feels comfortable and feels like they um, are part of a group and part of a community. So after opening circle, we have dinner, we, you know, have some community time, and then we go to bed. You know, typically a daily uh, schedule for a yoga retreat that we're going to lead is going to start with an optional meditation practice and then followed by a yoga asana practice. Um, usually that's about an hour. Um, depending, Greece is going to be a little bit different. Um, and then that yoga practice is followed by breakfast. Um, breakfast is followed by some sort of lecture. Um, it's not so much a workshop as it is like an actual lecture, like how can you deepen your practice? How can you take these um, philosophies and tools and use them off the mat in your relationship with yourself and others? And then after that, you know, there's an opportunity to get into nature or to do some sort of philanthropic activity. I'm trying to stay away from, you know, like adventure type activities. I want to, you know, again, try to create space for svadhyaya, for self-study, for people to go back within and look internally um, to, to make those connections. So, you know, ample opportunity for people to have some alone time, ample opportunity for, you know, walks outdoors, for connecting with nature, in, with others, etc. Um, and then, you know, again, usually there will be some sort of, you know, organized hike. If we're in a, an area where there is a body of water or something like that, we'll try to get out in the elements. So I typically do try to bring in the five elements that, um, that we see represented in the Sankhya philosophy. Um, and then as we move through the, the retreat, there is always a theme that's threaded throughout the retreat. So we're going to continuously pick up on that theme as we move through the retreat. Um, depending on the location, some locations are going to be a little bit more heavy in terms of sightseeing or, you know, excursions because of the location we're at. For example, Iceland, we've done Iceland once before. We're about to do Iceland again. 
that is just a place you have to see things. So you, you have to go see things and it's a heavy driving location. So you build in days that you're going to drive and then you build it anywhere. And that's what I learned from my first retreat in Iceland. Um, but then in Arizona, we're not doing a lot of going and doing, it's more being. So there's more opportunity to be, more opportunity for like philanthropic activities, we're going to clean up and stuff like that. So I think that um, having a healthy mix of the two is important. Um, and then ultimately, at the end of the retreat, we close with a closing circle, um, an opportunity for people to sort of share their thoughts and their biggest takeaways from the experience. Um, and everybody always gets some swag, they get some things to take home, um, some sort of memorabilia of the experience. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we get everybody back to their airport so that they can get home. I really like the idea pardon me, of it being a way to drop out of the thinking mind and to just kind of be, for, for all my experience with retreats is from Instagram, right? And so that doesn't necessarily look like what's happening in a lot of those retreats, um, which, you know, to each their own, right? But I really like the idea of you as the facilitator creating a container just like we do in asana class mm -hmm. for the student to come in and just be with themselves mm -hmm. yeah um i love that so you mentioned arizona and greece what is what's going on in arizona what's the theme for the arizona retreat well arizona is a hatha retreat and you know it's such a beautiful location we're going to antelope canyon and i really wanted to go um just the rock formations, the um, geography is gorgeous. So we're going to Antelope Canyon, going to Zion National Park, we're going to do some paddle boarding, we're going to do some light, um, you know, trail walking and things like that. But there's just a lot of community time. Um, so a lot of Dharma talks, a lot of, you know, how to integrate um, between the polarity of, you know, your experience, right? You know, we are both masculine and feminine. We are, we have elements of, you know, the solar and the lunar elements or, or aspects of being. So how do you integrate those into a sense of wholeness without leaning towards one of duality? So that's sort of the um, theme of uh, Arizona is going to be. And, um, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited. It's going to be definitely a little bit different. We're doing something we've never done before. We wanted to make it affordable, which is one of our values, right? So our values are authenticity, accessibility, and affordability. So affordability was really important to us. And um, so we're doing a glamping option, which we've never done before. I'm excited about it and I'm a little nervous. I think it's going to be super fun and it's, it's, you know, not unlike me to take risks. So we'll see how it all goes. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Glamping. So yeah. will everyone be glamping or just some yeah. people glamping? There were some options on this particular retreat that were severely like reduced prices. So, you know, it was like a regular price might have been like 
you know, I don't remember what the prices were. I think they were under 2000 regardless, but I, I want to say a regular price might have been 1800 And then the glamping option was like 700 or like a thousand. And so, which we, we had never done, it was a donation based price actually. So we had never done that before and it really works. People loved it. We have a huge group going. So we'll all just sort of see how it goes. Um, and if it goes well, we'll do it again. It's actually our trial run for Greece, which we did the same way. And I have to say that is, it is ambitious that Tara and I decided we were going to do Greece this way. Um, we'll take lots and lots of Instagram for everyone. So you can see me, um, well, you can see Tara and I, me um, struggling through the airport with multiple suitcases filled with um, glamping things because that's literally suitcases are filled with we everything that we're taking to Europe is on our backs like for us all of the stuff in the suitcase is for the participants for their sleeping and their comfort so it's going to be interesting I love this. I love this so much. I didn't realize that Greece was also had some donation spots like that, which love on multiple levels because it fits right in with our with our um, our main tenants, like you said. But not only do you have one in the states, but you're taking them out of the states too. And I would love a picture of the two of you dragging giant suitcases yeah. through the airport. Yes, I'll get you some. I'll get you some video too. It's going to be fun. Oh, how wonderful. So what's the theme for Greece? Well, Greece was an intense, actually planned Greece several years ago. And so it had been postponed because of COVID. Um, and so it turned, it went from a 200 hour training to an intensive. And so what that means is there's just a lot more asana. And so it's themed around asana. So every day we're taking like a different movement. So we're doing, for example, the first day it's spinal extension. The second day is spinal flexion. The next day is um, axial rotation, axial flexion. And then we have pelvic flexion and extension and um, shoulder flexion and extension. So we're, we're taking those movements and then we're sort of breaking them down after practice. So we'll practice for an hour and then we'll have like an hour and a half, two hours of like workshoppy type practice. We'll use all sorts of things. We'll use props, we'll use chairs, we'll use the wall, we'll use straps, we'll use everything. We'll use each other, all sorts of fun things. Um, give everybody an opportunity to do some hands-on stuff as well. The cool thing about Greece is we have the houses on the ocean with a pool, with tennis courts, with like, like the house is just outstanding. So, and it's very sort of boho chic. So we got really lucky. It, it's just a very nice open, you know, European floor plan. And there's a lot of outdoor space that we can utilize. And the climate during that time, you know, during the first part of May is gonna be really nice. It won't be too hot to be outside. So we'll, we'll get a chance to utilize the grounds and utilize the location to the best of our ability. That sounds awesome. So how long is Greece? Greece is a little bit longer. Greece is, I want to say nine days. So okay. a bit longer. Um, we are going to do one or two days of sightseeing where we're going to go and have a private tour of some of the, um, of the historical sites. 
um, which will be fun. But we're staying in a little town that's about an hour outside of Athens South that, you know, it's just, it's very walkable. And, you know, there's like, you know, the little garden markets and, you know, the little shops and stuff like that. So, and then because it's not a 200 hour and because of the online provision, we, we've, most of these people have already completed the online portion of training. So they're coming in, they're getting the physical portion of training. And so we don't have to just train 10 hours a day, which I think is really rough on your body. So this gives you time, the physical stuff, but also do the psychological stuff, that integrative, emotional, and intellectual practices to help you feel more, you know, again, whole and complete. Also, apparently there are no sharks in the, the ocean. I'm so excited. I've done my research. Apparently there have only been 16 shark bites in like 120 years or something like that. Wow, that is an upside. <laughs> very, very uh, specific. <laughs> you did do your research, how funny. Um, so what's coming up for MVP after Greece? What's, what's in the fall? So in the fall, well, actually, so we have a sort of a wild card that we threw in there that we didn't even plan. Grace and I are going to do um, Bali in August. And so that was not on the calendar originally. Grace um, came to me. She was interested. Grace is a yoga therapist um, that is on faculty at our, for our yoga therapy program. Also a dear personal friend of mine. She and I have worked in eating recovery for several years um, and we've also co-worked together just as therapist, yoga therapist um, with some of our clients. Um, so we're going to go to Bali, um, which I never thought I would do, honestly, but she really wanted to go and she wanted to learn how to lead them. So I said, okay, I'll go. Um, so we're going to do that. Um, and that one is sold out. Um, that's going to be fun. We're going to do a lot of philanthropic stuff in Bali as well. So yeah, there's a lot of philanthropic opportunity in Bali because there is so much pollution there. And uh, so we won't be doing as many like water activities there. Um, and when we do water activities, it is sort of a trek. We have to travel quite a way to get there and then we have to travel quite a way to get back. Um, but I, I'm really excited about that. That's going to be a fun, a fun adventure. And then Anna Pilar and I will be leading um, a retreat in Iceland. That is going to be amazing. That one's also sold out. Our 2022 retreat sold out really quickly. Um, the Iceland retreat is, it's a Tantra retreat and the location is very special. So the location is a sort of retreat lodge that is used for spiritual retreats. It has a sweat lodge in it. It has a thermal heated pool. So the lodge is a, um, it's a really special place. You know, it, um, it, like I said, it has the, um, it has the thermal pool. It has the sweat lodge. It has um, Tory style sort of um, sleeping arrangement. So I'm really excited about it. It's gonna be a fun, it's gonna be a fun location. Does Iceland end the year for retreats? Iceland ends the year for retreats. And then we start back up again in Q2. So that's typically what we're doing um, is we, we take a, a quarter off at the beginning of the new year just to get our feet under us and get 
recovered, I guess, from our holiday experience. And then we get back at it. So are the 2023 retreats sold out yet? Or are they still open? We have a few spots left in um, a couple of them. One of them is almost sold out. Um, so the niece is almost sold out. Is getting close. Um, Ireland still has plenty of spots left. Um, Seattle is filling nicely. Um, Outer Banks, I believe, still has spots left. Um, we don't have one listed yet because we can't secure the location. That's the Texas Hill Country. They won't let us book that until we're a year out. So we won't be able to launch that one until um, December um, of this, this coming year. Once we actually confirm that, we'll, we'll get that on there. Awesome. So lots of chances for the listeners, the students to still, to still catch MVP at a retreat, um, in 2023. So have, when was your first retreat? Have you gone on one? Yes. So I've done, I actually went on several, my first retreat was actually with, um, my teacher, Shanti Kelly and Giaconda. And then they did uh, another one the next year um, that I went on. And then after that, and those were both sort of Texas Hill Country retreats. In fact, the location they chose for their second one is where we're going to go in uh, December for our Texas Hill Country retreat. Um, And I love that location. It's fantastic. Um, then I ended up during my yoga therapy training, I ended up going on many of them because they were part of yoga therapy training. So, and a lot of them were like silent meditation retreats in like a mission. So like you go and you're in like very sparse quarters, you're eating like very sparse vegan food. Like it's just different. So you know, you see these pictures on Instagram and they look, you know, really luxurious and stuff. And I've never talked to anybody who's come back from one of them and pleasant experience because nine times out of 10, the, the, the facilitator, something happens in facilitation that is, you know, just a little bit, it's just not a scaffold. There's, there's something that is not, um, held or orchestrated in a way that is meeting participants where they're at. So, um, so what I've received in terms of feedback from people who have gone on these retreats um, are that, you know, sometimes uh, there's a business issue or sometimes there's a um, location issue or sometimes there's just like a personality issue, right? So, um, when I was at Soul of Yoga doing my yoga therapy training, I really watched the way that Monique, who was one of my teachers, she's one of my dear friends and teachers um, out there. I watched the way she facilitated, but also trainings and the way she held space for trainings um, and such large group trainings. And I modeled a lot of what we do after, you know, the way that she holds space and the way that that group holds space. And, you know, it's not about the fancy looking food or the exotic locations. It's about going inside. It's about turning your drishti inward. And, you know, ultimately, yes, occasionally those luxe uh, vacations are great. 
you know, and there's a place for them. But traditionally, yoga retreats are more sparse. You know, Shifananda, like that's what they are. They are very, very sparse. You know, you're sleeping on the floor sometimes. So <clears throat> I think the perspective of, you know, retreats in America has been skewed a little bit by our desire, you know, American culture is very much excessive as it is with all things, whether it is shopping or whether it's TV or, you know, cellular use or whatever. <clears throat> and what we're trying to do with our retreats is sort of bring them back to the intention of what is it that we're trying to gain from going on retreat? We're trying to gain more connection to ourself, more connection to community, more connection to yoga philosophy, more tools to integrate this into our real lives. I don't want to go on retreat and, and it be so aspirational and so unattainable that I come back and I'm like, oh, I'll never have that again, you know, or it, that it's so aspirational, unattainable that I can't actually pull it off, you know? There's two sides to that coin, right? So trying to keep it modest, you know, that's a form of brahmacharya, you know, trying to keep, it, you know, in alignment with the practices, I think is important, you know, um, at least through, from my lens. I really like that approach a lot. It, it feels refreshing. And like I said, it feels like authentic because we're taking those, those principles that we apply in our training and moving it into retreats because it is aspirational is kind of what it felt like. I know the first retreats I saw online were all in Mexico, which Mexico is beautiful, right? And they're staying in these beautiful locations. And I just remember thinking, I don't know that I can or want to walk around in my bathing suit around these people all day long and, you know, do a 30 minutes of yoga and that's it, right? Um, so I really like the idea of it being a way to to create space for that self-study and explore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think too, you know, that's another thing you're bringing up Mexico. A lot of retreats are being hosted in Mexico or in South America right now. And because we are former State Department, my husband will not let them in South America. So if you are interested, if you're a listener and you're interested in going to South America on a yoga retreat, I have some recommendations for you. There are two studios that do them that I really, really um, highly recommend. One's in Austin, a personal friend of mine outside of Austin. Um, and I'm happy to pass those names along to people um, who want to go to Tulum or Cancun or whatever. It's just not something that Chris is comfortable with, given his knowledge of um, what goes on in South America. Safety first, very <laughs> pragmatic. <laughs> I love that. That's wonderful. So thank you so much for, for sharing all of this, for sharing your perspective. Um, do you have any final thoughts or feelings that you want to share? Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, if you're going to invest in yourself in a yoga retreat, you know, make sure that you have the support that you need. Um, you know, a lot of people have kids at home and you want to be able to really drop everything and just spend the time to look at what is coming up for you. You know, what are the concerns that are coming up for you that are causing you um, dis-ease, 
your life that are causing dissonance? Um, you know, what what are the things that are you know, sort of repetitive that you're you're trying to nail down. A lot of times it's hard for us to see these things when we're in the thick of it, when we're actually taking care of the kids, going to the grocery store, buying the food, cooking the meals, cleaning the house, etc. But when we can get out of that space, and if we have somebody who's supportive that can help us, that can hold that space for us at home while we're doing our work, you know, someplace else, it can be really beneficial. You know, if you're you don't have that support, it can be more challenging, you know, and then that can be more frustrating than it's worth, you know, so just being realistic with yourself and understanding, you know, like what your personal limitations are, I think is important. You know, for example, if you are a, a younger mother, you know, or a younger father even, and you're wanting to go on retreat, or let's say you're religious. I have a student, for example, who I keep trying to get to come on retreat and they're very religious and they observe Shabbat, you know, it it's not going to work if they're stressed out. If they're worried about their kids, if they're worried about their families, they're not going to get out of it what I would want them to get out of it. So, you know, either wait for an opportunity that fits with your schedule. Maybe it's not an international retreat. Maybe it's not a month in India. Maybe it's, you know, three days. It's a long weekend in Wimberley. You know, who knows? Because we will do some things like that. You know, the goal is to do some more, you know, smaller retreats, some smaller weekend options even. Um, so wait for something that is, is, more, um, is, is more attainable for you. Um, and just be realistic with yourself. Ultimately, that's, that's the key to authenticity, is being honest with yourself. You know, nobody knows what's in your mind. Nobody knows what's in your head. I don't care how psychic they are. The best psychotherapists are not clairvoyant and can't read your mind. So let that go and just be honest with yourself and know your own sort of limitations and then act accordingly, you know, lens of discernment. Beautiful, because at the end of the day, it's all about the presence, um, which is a whole new perspective. I, I never considered that the yoga retreat is a way for you to just kind of, kind of be. Just be. That's what we're looking for, just to be. I yeah. love it. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Michelle, for everything. Thanks for being here. Um, we'll get your next interview scheduled so we can have you back on. Um, otherwise, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, everyone. We'll see you next week. Excellent. Thank you, Michaela. See you soon. Bye. Bye.